All right, if you will, open up your Bibles with me to John, the book of John, chapter 12. And we are going to be finishing out chapter 12 today. While, um... oh, you're good. <laughs> Thank you, though. <clears throat> so as you're opening up there, um, just a, a little reminder of where we were from last week. Uh, just, a, as a, just a brief. Uh, we ended last week in uh, verse 36, and we're going to call it verse 36b. Um, and basically that said, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and he hid himself. And Jesus was talking last week about all about um, how he was um, the light of the world again. He's mentioned this several times to us. He's the light of the world. And how when we have learned to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we can become what's called sons of light. Now, sons, there is written with a lowercase s because we're not the Lord, we're not God, right? So we're the sons of light with a lowercase s. But it, that's a, a very important thing for us to know and to remember that when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we trust in him and his way, that we can become part of him. We literally become part of his family, we become adopted sons and daughters. We become, as a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ. There is a great importance of knowing that, of hearing it, and, and of, of seeing what that means. Um, we had a chance this morning, I had a chance this morning to kind of sit in on Chelsea's lesson, and, and it was good to, to hear because she was asking these very pointed questions. And, and she was saying, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Are you, are you giving up anything? Has it been difficult to try to follow Jesus? If you don't know who Jesus is, what does that look like? Do you, are you prepared to give things up? Are you prepared to sacrifice? And the, that question doesn't just pertain to the youth, does it? Because in this room, I'm sure that many of us, when we became Christians, we gave up things, didn't we? We, we probably lost a few things when we, when we became Christians, didn't we? And, it, and, and on the outside, you're going, well, that doesn't sound like anything I really want to do or become a part of, does it? Like, I'm going to lose things? It's going to become difficult? It's going to be hard? But what you've got to look at is, what are you gaining? And that's the importance of the lesson, isn't it? What is it that I gain in Jesus Christ? I might lose friends. As Chelsea pointed out this morning, you might even lose a position something that you've worked really, really hard for, something that you're involved in, that, that all of a sudden they say, if you're going to go and do that, you might lose your spot. You might no longer fit in here. But you know what you gain? You gain an eternal life with Christ Jesus. That's something to be extremely just, just ecstatic about. Like, this is stuff that I preach every week, and I want your guys to be, I want your eyes to be open to this. I want your ears to hear it. I want your hearts to just, just burst open and receive the good news of the Holy Spirit that is, that is here and living and working. I especially want our kids to hear it because they're the ones who are coming up. I want the elderly, the older people, Clayton, the older people to hear it because you know what? There was not too long ago that there was this gentleman who was older and he was just about three weeks away from his deathbed and he professed faith in Jesus Christ and he was baptized. It's, you're never too young. You are never too old to believe in Jesus Christ. 
And he comes to deliver this awesome message. But that message comes with a couple of simple words. Follow me. And we have to consider what are we doing in our life in following Christ Jesus. I lost friends when I became a Christian, especially when I accepted my calling to pastor. There was people that we were super close to, but all of a sudden, the relationship was severed. It wasn't anything that I thought we did. It was just because our lifestyle became one that said, I want to trust Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And sometimes you have to look at those relationships. Sometimes you have to look at those positions. Sometimes you have to look at that life and say, you know what? It's okay. Because Jesus is more important. Jesus is always going to be more important. Jesus loves you more than anything or anyone in the world. He always will. He loves you more than your own parents do, if you can imagine that. And one of the great things that I heard just here recently from someone very close to me, is they said, I'm going to love Jesus more than I love anybody else in my life. Understand that. Are you in a position where today you say, I'm going to love Jesus more than anyone? Are you in a position where, where you are saying, I'm going to willing to give up anything and everything in my life? And it may seem like I'm sort of coming out of the gate this morning swinging. But Jesus doesn't have time to dilly-dally, does he? One day, all of this is going to be over. One day, it's all going to come to an end. Who in this room knows when that is? I don't. And it's the reason it's so important for us to, to speak about these. It's the reason it's so important for us to understand what it means to see the light of Christ, to hear the message that he's bringing. Time is of the essence. If you understand what that meaning says, it means don't waste it. Act now. Pay attention. There's something right around the corner that is big and it's about to happen. The question becomes, are you ready to receive it? And, and, and the most important thing is, is, are you ready to receive Jesus Christ? And let everything else in your life fall to the side. See, the message is supposed to be blunt. I could come in here and I could tickle your ears. Come in here and offer you all kinds of nice little promises and say, hey, come with us to the ark. It's going to be amazing and that's all y'all got to do. You ain't got to do anything else. Just come in here and just let me tickle your ears. You know what? Jesus loves you. You ain't got to do anything else. The truth is, is that being a Christian isn't easy. It's not. It never has been easy. And nor did Jesus promise that it was going to be easy. You ready to sign up yet? The truth is, is that Jesus Christ says, come, follow me, give up everything that you have, follow me, it's going to be better. Because what I can tell you, and this is, this is what I want you to hear, and if you walk away with nothing else today, even if I potentially get to the sermon today, if you walk away with nothing else today, understand that everything in this life today is temporary. You take nothing with you. You can empty out your bank account, you can stick it in your casket, and it won't go with you. You can pack up your fancy car, you can stick it in your casket, and it won't go with you. You can take your big fancy house, you can do whatever you want, grab whatever possessions you have, they will fall away. You know who never falls away? Jesus Christ, because he's eternal. That is fact. If I, have ne if I don't leave you with nothing else, all I can tell you is that you need Jesus Christ in your life. 
Because without Him, there's one result. Without Jesus, one path. And it's a path that leads to destruction. It's a path that leads to hell. Remember, I said, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This is what it is. One path, however, with Jesus is eternal life. Where He promises you joy that is so immense you can't even begin to imagine or understand. So you have to decide, do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to trust him with your, with your life? And, and, and here's the thing, when we get into, and we're, we're going to go there now, so look at John 12, beginning there at verse 37. It starts, and if yours has the titles in there, it says, the unbelief of the people. And, and it's funny because I didn't plan on talking about any of this particular stuff this morning. I think it was sparked because I went over and sat in on Chelsea's lesson, which is just how God works. So it's amazing that these things all come together because we totally didn't plan this thing. She was learning the teaching out of Mark. We're in John. You know, like, like this is just the way that God brings things together. But, but look at what it says. It says, when, when Jesus had said these things, he departed, he hid himself from them, right? That was when he was talking about we can become sons of light when we trust him. It says, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And here's what it says. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe, for again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man, get this, more than the glory that comes from God. So then it continues on there in verse 44. It says, And Jesus cried out, and he said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as a light. So that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given himself uh, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Amen? That, I struggled with this all week long. How do you preach this sort of thing? It's not comfortable. It's not easy. It's difficult to preach this type of message. Because I would love for you all to be just skipping up out of here being like, Woo, Greg Napper's the best preacher I've ever seen. Woo like, But instead, I feel like you're going to leave out of here today maybe with just a little bit of a hardness. A little bit of, of, of just, I can't believe that this is who God is. 
a lot of times we make this confusion of saying who we want God to be. We want God to be a lot of things, don't we? But God is who he is. As a matter of fact, he says, I am who I am. You're not going to change God. He doesn't change. He's the lawgiver. He made the rules. What he says goes. He is the complete and final authority. So these passages that we read here towards the beginning uh, from 37 through uh, verse 40, these are passages that come from the book of Isaiah, specifically from uh, chapters 53 and also from chapter 6. Um, now, we're going to get to who Isaiah is directing um, this information to, who, who, um, who John is directing this information towards. We're going to get to that here in just a minute. But what we get to see through these first few verses, through 37 through, through 40, those verses is that Jesus has done countless signs up to this point, including bringing somebody back from the dead. He has done amazing things. And yet, there's still unbelief. People don't believe. How is that possible? How is it that you, you witness the things that Jesus has done, bringing demons out of people, healing the lame, making the, the blind see, bringing the guy up from the dead. How do you not believe at that point? There's more people who would believe in David Copperfield making the Statue of Liberty disappear in the city of New York than there are people who will believe that Jesus has done these things with the number of witnesses that are had. I'll never forget, I watched that thing on TV. David Copperfield, he's like, watch out. And there went the Statue of Liberty. Poof! It was gone. Yeah, they can do a lot of things on TV, can't they? Have you ever watched a movie? There's all kinds of people that die in movies. Guess what? They're still alive. We can make all kinds of craziness happen. We can do sleight of hand. And, be like, and if I knew any card tricks, I would have actually done them for you. But I don't know any, so it would have failed. Um, but, but the point being is that our eyes can deceive us. And the problem is here is that there's a lot of people who've been watching Jesus. They've been seeing what he's doing, but their heart hasn't received it. There's a difference in seeing and receiving. There's a difference in hearing and believing. And those are the things that are being talked about. Those are the things that are being discussed here. When you look at the verses of, of, of Isaiah 53, chapter, uh, chapter 53, verse 1, we get to see that, that God was doing all of these miraculous things in front of the Jews, in front of the Jewish leaders that, that they had at that time. I mean, you go all the way back to the Exodus when they're walking through the desert. Just, just the mere fact that he made manna appear out of nowhere. They were hungry, and he fed them. You go walk through the desert. And see how quick manna pops up for you. It won't. Not unless God says, hey, make it happen. And speaks that into existence. God can do anything. and He's done all these great miraculous things. And even back in this time of Isaiah, he was doing these miraculous things. And yet the Jews, they didn't believe or they just simply wouldn't follow it. So this isn't a new problem that we're seeing. It's not anything new. It shouldn't be surprising, although it's, it's confusing. It shouldn't be surprising. 
um, Isaiah chapter 6, this brings about some things that are hard to understand because it's talking about how um, God blinds the eyes and hardens the hearts of certain people. So remember, I was talking about, you know, well, my God wouldn't do these things, right? My God surely wouldn't do, and then fill in your own blank, because that's what we do as people. I have a vision of what my God is, of who my God is. Well, your God's no different than mine, and what Scripture tells me is that he hardened the hearts of people. Now, that may sound difficult or even confusing, doesn't it? I mean, we just, we always talk about, you hear me preach each week, God loves you, he wants to save you, he wants you, he's pursuing after you, he's chasing after you, and yet then we get an example like Pharaoh where it says, hey Moses, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh, and I want you to explain to him that he needs to let your people go, but before you get there, I'm going to harden his heart so that he's going to tell you no, just so you're aware. How would you like to have those instructions before you showed up for work? You're going to do this great, amazing thing for your company. And just so you know, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. But I'm going to go ahead and tell your boss the answer to that is no, and they're going to turn you down. But I need you to go talk to them anyway. Are you going to throw your hands up in frustration and be like, well, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. That's what most people would do. I'm not even going to try then. If you're already going to tell me that the answer is no, then I'm not even going to try. Right? That's what we do as, as, as human beings. We quit trying. However, Moses said, okay, God, let's do this thing. And he goes, and he continued time after time after time after time of, of Pharaoh looking at him and saying, no, 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 and knowing full well that it wasn't Pharaoh doing that, that it was God saying, you're going to say no. So who is this God? Is he a God that saves or is he a God that hardens people's hearts, that, that controls us like puppets? The problem with this is that we don't understand who God is. The problem is, is that we aren't able to fathom the power and the authority that God has. See, the truth is, is that God knows every aspect of my being. He knew me before I was formed in the womb. Scripture tells us that, right? That's true. He knows the day that he's going to call me home, which is the reason that we've preached before. Let's live by faith, not by fear. I'm not going to die or go one second before the good Lord says it's your turn. Now, it doesn't give me free run to go, like I said before, don't go play in traffic. Be smart. He gave you a brain for a reason. But it, it helps us to be able to see that God is not only at the beginning of my life, but he's also at the end. He knows everything in between. He knows if I'm going to turn to him. He knows if I'm going to deny him. He knows if I'm going to accept him. He knows everything. We have free will to choose. And he knows what the choice is already. My future is his memory. There's a uh, Casting Crown song that, that I, I feel like talks about this um, very pointedly. Uh, the, the lyrics in that particular song says, you're already there standing at the end of my life waiting on the other side. There's truth to that. He knows everything. He is infinitely power and mighty. He controls everything, yet he gives us the power, the free will to choose him. He could force us to do it, but he wants us to choose him. And he knows who will choose him and who won't. And he's going to continue to use 
everything for his glory. So if, if you're going to deny Christ for your entire life and you're never going to turn to him, he's still going to use you for his glory. If you're going to turn to him at whatever age you decide to turn to him, he is going to use you for his glory. Because there is an ultimate path that is happening. There is, there is a perfect plan in place. And no, it's not an easy message to hear. But it's true. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows the hairs on your head. knows you by name. He knows every aspect of who you are. He knows every lie you've ever told. He knows everything. Which is the reason why a lot of times I'm just so confused about why people deny to call on him. He knows you better than anyone. There's nothing he can't do or know. You can't hide from him. But it doesn't, it doesn't take away the fact that he does love you and that he does pursue you. And so to back that up, after everything I've just said, I want to share with you 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It's a very important verse. Because it says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Wishing, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So he pursues us every single day with the hope that we're going to confess him as Lord and Savior. That's his heart's desire. He wants us. He, he, he desires us. It's the whole reason why the angels got so mad about this thing up in heaven and Satan got kicked out. Because they just couldn't understand. Why do you love these, these terrible, awful human beings more than us? The truth is that he created us in his image. He loves us so much that he made us just like him. And when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who did he make him like? Did he make him like the angels in heaven? No. He made Jesus Christ like us be born in the flesh, to walk this terrible earth, but yet come and share some amazing, great news that we need. He knows everything. But I want you to just really hone in on what that Second Peter says. His heart is for his people. For all his people. Doesn't matter, Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter what language you speak. I don't it doesn't matter. He said it says in, in second not wishing that anyone should perish, but he will use every opportunity, every situation to bring about his glory. He wants everyone to reach repentance, but we have to be the ones to confess him. We have to be the ones that, that, that point to Jesus and say, I need you in my life. Romans 5.8, it's, it's part of the Romans road that we've preached here through before. It says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If he didn't pursue you, if he didn't desire you, if he didn't want you, why would he ever send his only son to die for you. If his only heart's desire was just to simply cut you off, why would he do that? It doesn't make sense. You see, the Lord does desire you, and, and it's not just simply that he picks and chooses who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. 
Remember, He already knows you better than you know yourself. He knows if you're going to turn to Him. He knows if you're going to choose Him. And the choice is yours. The choice is yours. So why is it that we're even talking about these things? Why are we talking about these these difficult things? Why am I struggling about how to preach this thing this morning? Well, it's because of what Isaiah talks about. You see, Isaiah was speaking in this in this manner that, that made me pause and, and really reflect on, on my own personal journey. And my hope is, is that it helps you to reflect on yours as well. Because where it talks about in verse 41 of our text, it says, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. The Lord is who he's talking about. Which says, then in verse 42, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But get this, it says, But they, for fear of the Pharisees, they didn't confess it. So that they wouldn't be kicked out of the, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. They wouldn't get kicked out. And it says, They loved the glory that comes from man more than they love the glory that comes from God. Can we admit today that that is where we are as a world? That's true. I am so concerned. Many people are so concerned about what somebody else thinks, about climbing that corporate ladder, about doing the things that I want to do. I'm so concerned. I'm just so focused in on all these other things that I forget about the glory of God who who died on a cross to save me of my sin. My only focus should be on him. I should be just like, and again, this goes back to the things that Chelsea was teaching about in Sunday school. I should be willing that when he calls upon my life to drop everything and follow him. When he talked to his disciples who were fishing on the boat, he said, come follow me. And Chelsea said, they just threw the nets and were like, done. Is that who we are? Is that the people that we've become as Christians? Or are we, are we lazy in our Christianity? Are we following Christ Jesus the way that he calls for us to follow him? Or are we inventing our own way? Because if you're inventing your own way, you're not following his. He desires you, but he desires all of you. Not just a part. He wants all of you to come to know who he is. We've got examples of people who believed in Jesus Christ, who were in this Jewish authority. We have Nicodemus. If you know about Nicodemus, you know that he asked to meet with Jesus. He wanted to talk to Jesus so he could learn more. He was seeing the miracles that Jesus was doing. But you know how he asked to meet with him? He asked to meet with him in secret. In secret. He didn't want his buddies to know what he was doing because he was afraid of what they would think and of what they would do to his position. He was very high up in his position, in the Jewish Jewish leadership. He was very high up. He was scared to death of what they would think, of what they would do. Instead of saying, I'm willing to drop everything and follow you, Jesus, because I believe in you. He wanted to meet Jesus in secret. Joseph uh, Joseph of uh, uh, Arimathea, he gave up his personal tomb for Jesus. Sounds like a great thing, doesn't it? He was also one of the Jewish leaders. And you go, well, well, he gave up his tomb, so he did follow Jesus. Well, did he follow Jesus before Jesus died, or did he follow Jesus after Jesus died? Which one was it? He was scared to death to follow Jesus when he was alive, 
But then he saw the importance of following Jesus after he died. And he's a great example. Why is he a great example? Because he was willing at that point to recognize his faults and his failures. Which brings us to a verse that says something like, we all fall short of the glory of God. Why? Because we've all sinned. He was recognizing his own failure. And then he decided, now, now's the time. It's not too late until when? It's too late, right? So he decided to follow Jesus and then to give up things for Jesus Christ. So he gave up his own personal tomb, something that was very costly. It wasn't cheap because he wanted Jesus to have a resting place. We get to see these examples of, of men who, like Nicodemus and Joseph, who, who secretly believed in and followed Jesus, but they weren't willing to step out in faith, were they? Because they were more concerned about their position and the people around them. Is that you? Are you pushing Jesus off? Are you deciding to do other things instead of following Christ Jesus and, and learning about his word, being in his word, of it being encouraged and going out and talking to the others, being, being a part of your local church? Are you like Nicodemus and Joseph? Or are you going to be like one of the disciples that dropped everything when Jesus said, come, follow me? If I'm stepping on your toes this morning, just know it's not me. All I've done so far is read you what the words say. I've pointed you to the truths that are contained here. You want to be mad or upset with somebody, you get to be mad or upset about God. You get to be mad or upset about the things that He says. I'm just the guy telling you. And now we're going to get to the part where Jesus then opens His mouth to speak. Jesus cries out, right? And, and, and understand that in verse 44, what it's talking about here is this. Jesus cries out. He's not just going, okay, now I have a message to tell you. I want you to listen. He's crying out. He's, he's speaking in a way that he says, whoever believes in me, remember, like this is the way that Jesus is. He's not just some shy individual. This is the guy that's telling people about the world that's going to end and the life that they could have. They just believe in him and follow him. He says, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. He points to the Father always. He says, whoever believes uh, whoever sees uh, me sees him who sent me. Again, pointing to the Father, he says, I've come into this world as a light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, he says, I don't judge them. I don't judge them. He keeps pointing to the Father as the final authority. Jesus is the light of the world. Followers of Jesus cannot reside in darkness. If you believe in Jesus, if you're following in the ways of Jesus Christ, you cannot live in darkness if you're doing it in truth and by faith. The light will shine. It will reveal everything around you. And Jesus says, I didn't come here to judge, which is what a lot of people think. A lot of people point to you, they're like, oh, well, just you Christians, y'all just want to judge everything. Well, gets what Jesus says in John 3, 17. We love John 3, 16, don't we? Right? I mean, you've heard me talk about this, you know, for God so loved the world, right? Give up his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then we just stop. But why are we stopping? Because John 3, 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. 
He didn't send his son into the world to condemn it. Remember, he says right here plainly in his words, he says, I didn't come to judge. And then we get this verse that backs that up. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But then get this, it says, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Does that sound like he's coming to condemn you? Or does it sound like he's coming to save you? Does it sound like he's just simply coming to hard your heart so that you never turn to him and that you never receive um, eternal life? Or does it sound like Jesus Christ is saying, come, follow me, I've got a better way. I desire something great and amazing for you. But you have to trust me. You've got to by faith believe in me. You have to follow me in order to get there. See, Jesus Christ is amazing in the way that he brings all of this about. He points to the Lord, the Father, as the final judge. And God's commandment, as he talks about in verse 49, he says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself done what? Given me a commandment. He says, what to say and what to speak. What to say and what to speak. It's something that I strive very hard to do, but, you know, I fell at it because I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. But that is my job up here today. My job is to tell you what he says, what he says to speak, what he says to do, what he says to follow. The Lord's commandment is for eternal life for each and every person. The Lord's commandment, his plan has always been for eternal life. The the Lord pursues those who believe in him and he brings them eternal life. This doesn't sound like a God that just wants to throw you away or cast you off. This is a God that, that, that wants you, who desires you. And Jesus speaks out these truths out of obedience to the Father. So, as I'm sharing these truths from God's word, doing my best to be obedient to the calling that he's placed in my life and sharing these hard things with you, you as Christians, I want you to understand that you all are also called to the same obedience, to follow Jesus Christ, to trust in him, to trust in his way, in his teachings. You as Christians have an opportunity. See, Jesus shared all of these things when he was alive. And it led to his death. If you read the front of your bulletin, what we call today's sermon is was, don't kill the messenger, right? And as I'm standing before you here today and I'm bringing you this message, I'm not the messenger. I'm not. Jesus Christ is the messenger, even still. And the question for you today is, are you going to follow him or are you going to continue to condemn and convict him and then kill the messenger again? But you can't. No matter how hard you try, he is our living God. He was raised from the dead after three days to prove himself to be the true living God. But what I, what I caution you to today is don't even attempt to kill the messenger. Hear what his message says. Let it speak to your heart. and Receive it. Hear it. Believe it. What is he saying to you? How is he calling on you? What are you doing in your life to show Jesus that you desire him and that when he says, come, follow me, that you say, yes. Don't kill the messenger. 
follow the messenger. Believe in him in his way. Let's pray together. So, Father, we come before you this, this morning or this afternoon now, and, and God, we ask that you would move in a mighty way. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to do a work that I can't do, no one else in this church can do. That your Holy Spirit would touch the hearts of the people here and that we would become obedient followers of you. The message that that you've given, the message that you've spoken, the things that you have shared all throughout your ministry, Jesus, have been difficult and hard to hear. But it's truth, and it's things that lead us to eternal life. And so, Father, open our eyes, open our ears, more importantly, open our hearts to receive this message. Help us to know you. Help us to trust you, however and whatever it takes. Thank you, Lord. Be with us now as we prepare to close out. Lord, I pray that there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that they would make that decision today. They wouldn't allow Satan to hold them back. That instead they would cast off the enemy and say, I belong to Jesus. And that they would make that profession of faith today. Because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You have something amazing waiting for us. You alone are waiting for us. You desire us. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Call us to you now. Bring us close to you. Especially, Lord, just feel like there's somebody here today. Feel like there's somebody here today that, that needs you. Let your spirit move freely, God. Help us to trust you more. To confess ourselves to you. Praise you today. In your holy, precious name, Jesus. Amen.